Hi, and welcome to Carbon Podcast. Uh, I am Chris Truscott Brown. I'm here with Peter. I think it's just going to be the two of us. Uh, I am sorry, Peter, for being late. I was just in the middle of watching a movie with my wife. Uh, we got halfway through, and then it was time to come to this. But um, we were watching the Riff Tracks version of Ready Player One, the movie version. Almost makes it watchable. What are you talking about? The movie's very watchable. No, I forgot how bad it is. It's really not. It's painful. Oh, what? It's not. Are you talking painful like anal? Is that what you're doing? I wouldn't know. I've never tried. Are you sure? Very. (laughs) What is it you're trying to do? Well, you, you said PETA, but you didn't say my last name, so clearly I'm PETA Griffin now. Oh. But I'm not very good at that impression, so I don't know what the hell this sounds like. I can't wait to listen to the episode to find out. Also, <laughs> I'm just doing this to bust your balls because I actually like that movie, so you bitching about that movie actually does slightly annoy me. I... I didn't... Okay, actually, we can actually discuss this. Uh, but hang on, what is the thing we need to do before we get into full discussion? Oh, we need to edit in Emily's sane theme song. Theme song. You're still doing the Peter Griffin voice. It's not a good voice, is it? Very much not. <laughs> I just try to sound more nasally, and it's not that good. Oh, well, I'm sure the theme song has happened by now. Uh, somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I... I like the book of Ready Player One-ish, I guess. It was entertaining. I would mm. probably be willing to read it again. So mm. that's something, because there are some books I've just, like... There's some books I just straight up never finished, and there's some books I finished begrudgingly, and then it's like, okay, I'm good. I never need to revisit that. So it's not there. Mm-hmm. I do find it kind of lame, like just too much grabbing for pop culture references, and it's... It's popcorn or cotton candy, not, like, an in-depth meal. But some of the decisions uh, made for the movie, I really hated. Like uh, what we just watched, the uh, the segment with The Shining. Mm. Really? that You hated that part? Yes! Because it can't even keep track of its own narrative long enough to get halfway through the movie safely. Um, So, the concept here. The character H is one of the top gunters. I hate Mm -hmm. that term. Hate it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But gunters is the term used in-universe for Easter egg hunters... Uh, trying to find secrets within this world of Oasis from Halliday. 
Uh, so they obsess and just watch over every aspect and like instance of Halliday's life, everything he liked, mm-hmm. like they know every detail about him and no, very nearly they obsess yeah. over everybody everything. has blind spots These, because if they knew everything, they would have caught on to the very obvious clues earlier. It just is really, really dumb to think one of the best gunters. Can I mention again how much I fucking hate that? Um, no, that's a stupid term. You can hate that term. I'm not going to yeah, defend that term. But one of I, the I know where you're going with this, and I am going to has not seen The Shining. Like I can't I do get, it. I get why they put that in because it's actually a funny bit for somebody to fall into all the traps of that movie. Uh, like, if you've seen The Shining, you know you don't hit that elevator button. You don't want that door to open. You know you don't go into room 237. H is doing all of those things because... Yeah, H never watched the movie because H right. is afraid of the movie. Yeah. Everyone has a blind spot. I, I have less, I have way less of a problem than what you're complaining about than just going backwards. You're telling me in 20 or 20, however many yeah. years it's been, nobody ever... Even as a griefer, drove backwards. Like that's the one I cut. I that's the, that's just that's a the trolling one I, move. Like, okay, you just got killed. You lost everything. You're respawning at level one. Yeah. Join that and just like YOLO backwards. Uh, just yeah for fun. <laughs> they needed to do that. They needed to do that part better. I'm well, I'm I'm going to give the shiny one more of a pass than you. Clearly, you are. The, I don't mind that one. Uh, I actually hated and it was because of the going backwards thing as a big part of that, I hated the fact that the first challenge was a race. I really liked the first challenge in the book, which was, again, I am a D&D Joust. nerd. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, because he takes on a Sararak in the game of Joust. Uh, yes, but it's a D&D module first. Right, uh, yeah, because it's uh, it Tomes is, of Horror. And it is on, uh, yes, uh, it is on the schooling planet, so everyone's looking all over for exotic planets and mm-hmm. nobody checks the starting planet, which is your yeah. schooling one. So it's like finding the secret in level one or in the mm-hmm. starting area. I like that, and I like that it's... Yes, I'm a D&D nerd, but I just thought that made sense, and then you get to the game of Joast. Uh... So the race was weird. I didn't like the shining bit. Like I I like the book. I don't love the book. Kinda hated the movie. Rift Tracks makes it a little more watchable though. Oh Rift Tracks makes almost anything watchable, but I I, I like the movie fine. I especially yeah. love the how they handled the ending or well, except for of course the resolving of how the Oasis worked. I mean that was very on the nose, preachy, whatever. And the Random rebellion instead of what actually happened in the book. What happened in the book there was better. That was yeah. oversimplified and kind of lazy as a result. Like stuff like that, I'll grant you. And I've kind of, I didn't mind necessarily a race, but I think they could have handled that better. Because I mean, part yeah. of this was always going to be licensing, right? Yeah. And I mean, this is this is why I'm kind of forgiving of a lot. lot of what they had to do. Yeah, they still got in a lot, yeah. yeah. And, of course, everyone made fun of them for all the Warner Brothers stuff they had in it because, you know, I think it was made by Warner Brothers, right? 
Yeah, but um, also Spielberg gave a lot of his stuff to it, because yeah. obviously he was doing it. Yeah, but they still um, got some good stuff there. Of course, I love the Gundam scene. I What, do, the Gundam? The um, another question. Mm? Have you looked into Ready Player Two at all? Yeah. Uh, I read the first 50 pages... It's definitely not hitting the same beats as the original. It's not good. Yeah, I read a synopsis of it, and I was like, "I'm good." I didn't. I haven't even read any of the actual book. I read just a synopsis of no, no spoilers, just the general outline of what we're going to be dealing with. And I was like, for better or worse, whether you like that book or didn't, it tied itself off pretty neatly with a fancy bow at the end. It did not you, need a sequel. You don't need to revisit that. It's it's a one and done. Yeah. It's like Gump and Company. You really didn't need a sequel to Forrest Gump, the book. Was there a sequel? Oh, yeah, it was called Gump and Company. Gross. I don't like that. Uh, uh, l- l- let, me, let me also ruin it even more for you. The book is really bad. <laughs> like, the book is like... Take every kind of negative stereotype you've t- you could, or every negative take you can take on the movie Forrest Gump. Mm-hmm. You know, because some of the stuff has not aged well. Some of it was never perhaps that good to begin with and more naive. So, are you talking about the sequel or the original? I'm talking Forrest about the Gump movie. Book? I'm talking about the original Forrest Gump movie. Take everything about the movie that can be perceived negatively, especially with a modern lens. I and like multiply it by like a thousand, and that's yeah, Gump and Gump. No, I uh, okay. I, are you talking about the book of Gump and Company? Yeah, because they, they never made the movie. movie. Okay. Because uh, the original Forrest Gump book, I have read. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the the cases where I think the movie actually did it better. Oh, I, a lot I, better. I think it simplified and streamlined and cleaned up the plot a lot. But also, that story really benefited from a visual of actually seeing this character in various points in history. And yeah, it's a little rough around the edges when you watch it now. Uh, Mm. But for its time, it was pretty groundbreaking. It's like, wait, is that Tom Hanks? Like, meeting JFK? Like, wait, what? How could this be? What sorcery is this? Yeah. (laughs) Stuff like that. But then, yeah, like, Gump and Company, like, okay, apparently the script for the actual, because they were going to make a movie adaptation of the sequel, yeah. apparently he was going to, uh, Forrest Gump was going to fall in love with a woman who gets killed in a terrorist attack, and the script got turned in, like, two days before 9-11. Oof. Hey, yeah, I wonder why that got cancelled. Yeah, so one of the many, many things that got, air quotes, ruined by 9-11 was uh, the Forrest Gump sequel, which we probably didn't want anyway, so... I'm gonna I'm gonna make a horrifying soundbite for you and points for nine eleven. I'm not gonna clip that. I'll leave <laughs> it in, but that's about it. <laughs> uh, Do you want but, me to, now, maybe nope. let's timestamp it just to be safe with a little uh, reference to your address? Nope. Okay. <laughs> I won't uh, do it. I'm just gonna threaten you with it every now and again. Eh, it, it's whatever. Um Yep. So we actually had a, uh, some topic lists. Let's talk about something that gives us joy. Um, do you want to start with? Because you have three things, I have two. Uh, yes. You start. Uh, well, I was going to talk about Critical Role and 
specifically The Legend of Vox Machina. Have you been yep. watching that? I am way behind. I've only seen like two episodes. Okay, because I haven't actually caught up. I've seen the first six, but I believe there are three more. I think they're releasing in batches of three. Yeah, three, and I think there's a total of 12 in this season. As a D&D fan and a fan of the more adult animated series, like along the lines of Castlevania and stuff like that, I think this is a fun show that definitely it scratches the itch of watching an animated D&D party, and you absolutely get that sense that they're living in the world of D&D. As a fan of Critical Role, very familiar with all the stories going on, there are some moments where it's just, like, cool to see these characters that I know and love, uh just on screen doing things. Oh. And I love that since uh, this is perfectly suited, uh, the cast of Critical Role are all voice actors, so obviously they're all voicing themselves. So that's good. It's not people trying to recreate that, except uh, the character of Sean Gilmore. He was an NPC, uh, so he was voiced by Matt Mercer. But... Mm. I like that they put a couple notable characters and almost every background NPC, like the guy that's the guard at the gate that says, like, oh, welcome to the city, uh, and then, like, never seen again. Like, almost every one of those, like, the NPCs in the show, Matt is doing almost every voice. Uh, but the NPCs that are actual characters, they have cast, and can't remember the name but the actor that is playing Sean Gilmore mm -hmm. is doing an impression of Sean Gilmore as played by Matt Mercer yeah. almost flawlessly Sunil uh, Melhotra by the way is the name of the actor thank you I was gonna look it up but um I didn't <laughs> uh that being said I definitely recommend the show I am enjoying it, but as a big fan of Critical Role, it's the typical book-to-movie or series argument. The amount of stuff that I know didn't make it in mm. is kind of painful to me, and I'm trying to not let that get to me, but it's like, there's, I am, I am being insufferable because I'm watching it with Jamie, my wife, for the record, uh who has never heard an episode of Critical Role. She's heard some clips that I've played her to her great annoyance because out of context, it's actually not nearly as enjoyable, so I try to keep that to a minimum. I have been having to pause the show and it's like, oh, by the way, just so you know, uh, here's why this person doing this and then this person saying this is funny. It's not helpful. I just can't help myself. Uh, so I am driving her crazy, but there's so much left out of that. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, for one thing, they had to cut out Tiberius. Yeah. That isn't actually I... awkward because, honestly, the first handful of episodes in campaign one that have him, at first I was like, because I knew that the voice actor, Ryan Akaba wasn't fitting in with the cast and 
he eventually got kicked off the show. And so I knew going in that um, he wasn't going to last, but I was like, how bad could it be? Like, maybe it was just creative direction. Uh, It's worse than that. (laughs) I listened to the episodes, and literally, I try not to be a confrontational person, but if this person was in a D&D game that I was playing... I would actually tell the DM them or me can't play with this person. Like, I don't know how he is as a person. I don't know any of his voice roles. I obviously haven't met or hung out with him, but I guarantee you, I could not play D and D with that person. Uh, he's intolerable. So I do not miss, uh, Tiberius, in that show at all. To mention, uh, we should probably, I wanted to shout out, uh, the YouTube series Lost in Adaptation, uh, done by Dominic Noble. I want to see him do an episode on Critical Role being adapted to the animated series, because normally he does books to film. Okay. Like we talked about Forrest Gump earlier. He he talked about Forrest Gump in one episode. Lost in Adaptation. I want to make a note of that. That sounds mm-hmm. good. It's a good one. He's done a lot of the good ones. Like he did uh, several adaptations of the Three Musketeers. He did uh, Phantom of the Opera, uh, all the Harry Potters. He did. Um, well, the Harry Potter was... ones were really. I like the first two, the fr- and Azkaban actually. The first three, uh, but from four onwards, are terrible. Um, Ooh, shots fired! Yep. But so the books got way too complicated and you can't put them into two hour movies. Hmm. Anyway, yeah, so I recommend him. Yeah. And yeah, no, from what I saw, it's a solid series uh, regarding Critical Role, solid series, but, um, well, the Vox Arcana animated series, I mean. But I understand where you're coming from where it's like, ah, mediums. Yeah. I will I wanted... make another recommendation, oh. just briefly. Uh, Lost in Adaptation sounds good. I want to check that out. Mm. There is a now, as far as I can tell, I don't know the whole story, but seems to be a just finished podcast that isn't making any more new things. But Unjustly Maligned with Anthony Johnson. Mm. I highly recommend that. Uh, that isn't really a Lost in Adaptation. That's just something that everybody hates. This guy would mm-hmm. find someone that loves it and have them try to give it justification. I did send in an email with my suggestion. I actually wanted to see if I could get on there uh, with Sucker Punch because everyone hates it and obviously I love it. And I thought I could, whether it makes people like it or not, I thought I could at least fill an hour episode with trying to justify that movie. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I probably just was ignored, but to save my ego, this was within a month of the last episode that I never heard from the series again. So either I just got lost in the shuffle of a series that was ending or my suggestion was so bad I killed the series. Good job. We'll never know. Well, let me talk. Let me tell you about uh, crazy coincidences. 
Okay. Because that's a perfect segue for uh, one of the things on my list, which is the Nintendo Direct that happened this week. Yeah, you uh, shared some of that stuff. Yep. I'm going to go through Just... the whole list. So this is kind of rapid fire, so be careful with your interruptions. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll be here all day. Okay. Uh, so we got uh, a Fire Emblem Warriors game. Uh, we already had one back in, I want to say, 2016 which was kind of just a hodgepodge of various Fire Emblem games. This one is directly tying into the most recent Fire Emblem, Three Houses, which came out in 2019. Um, so it's just kind of building on that, setting it in a Warriors. Warriors, of course, being like Dynasty Warriors, Samurai Warriors, the Musou games. Yeah. So that's coming out later this year. I'm hyped for that because I quite liked Three Houses. Uh, yeah, No Man's Sky is officially coming to Switch. Cool. No Man's Sky. Uh, Mario Strikers, the Mario Soccer series. They're getting a new one after 10 years. Oh, that's a new one. Yeah. I thought that was just Mario Strikers coming to Switch. No, it's Mario Strikers Battle League. Huh, okay. Uh, I don't want to interrupt too much, but... Yeah. I figured that was... I I was actually surprised you interrupted on that one, but fair enough. Good, 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 good qualifier. Uh, this one I imagine you might have something to say about. Chrono Cross Remastered. Yes, please. That's the one I'm most excited about in the whole list. I figured that was probably going to be on yours, yeah. Uh, For those who aren't familiar, Chrono Cross is the sequel to Chrono Trigger. The article I've got says pseudo-sequel. I'm like, no, it's actually the fucking sequel. Everything that goes on in that game ties into the original, Although, albeit in In kind of hodgepodgey ways. In the last bit where it ties it all together... It's not a pseudo sequel, but it's a pretty standalone. It, it, you can play Chrono Cross and never play Chrono Trigger. I don't recommend it because Chrono Trigger is far superior. But Chrono it, it, Cross, it 100% ties in. I'm going to disagree on that. I mean, it's an unusual sequel and, in that like 90% of the game don't connect. Yeah. But that last 10%, it 100% connects. Yes. And you will be effing lost at points if you don't know. Yeah, fair enough. That's what I'm going to argue. Uh, I'm kind of hyped about that because I always thought that was a game that could use another chance, especially with better graphics, and now we're getting that. Because it's, I think it's the same I'm... way they're doing the, they did the remaster of 8. There's a lot of problems with the remaster of 8. Uh, they fixed a lot of the graphics. Uh, by 8, we're talking about Final Fantasy 8, for the record. Mm. Um, they fixed a lot of the graphics, and by fixed, it wasn't broken. Uh, so I guess I mean improved, not fixed. But they made a lot of the controls janky as fuck. And I uh, I don't like the remaster for that reason, so hopefully they don't do that with Chrono Cross. We'll see. Um, we're getting a Wii Sports sequel, sort of. It's the Nintendo Switch Sports instead About of Wii Sports. About time. Right. We're like four years into the Switch at this point, if I'm not mistaken. Or I guess five, more or less now. Uh, how many year years five. from Wii Sports? Oh, God, so many. Mm-hmm. That's going to be 13, 14? Oof. Make me yeah. feel old. Yep, you're welcome. Uh, Xenoblade Th- Chronicles 3, that's coming. Uh, I got to be honest, I didn't really like Xenoblade. I, I know that's kind of blasphemous, but I found the gameplay incredibly boring. Uh, 
uh, it was kind of because it's like a, it's a cool open world game where you could do like a lot of dynamic RPG stuff, and that was cool. But then everything took so freaking long, and I was just like, this is an MMO like grind, but in a you know single player RPG, I don't really like it. I felt yeah. I felt the same way playing that as I did playing Final Fantasy twelve, where I'm just like, this honestly isn't that fun for me. It's a shame. But I'm sure Xenoblade fans are happy, and I am happy for them. Yeah. Earthbound is coming to Nintendo Switch Online. Is that the first one? Specifically, the one that was on the SNES and the one that was on the NES. So, yeah. So the original Nintendo game, Mother... Because in Japan, they're called Mother. Yes. So uh, Mother uh, 1. Mother 1 and Earthbound 1 are similar but not the same no both of them are coming out though so we're getting for the first time in north america officially earthbound zero aka mother one and we're also getting mother two aka earthbound both of those are going to be on the switch online emulators okay so that's kind of neat i'm into it hopefully maybe we'll eventually get earthbound three for real or sorry (laughs) mother three for real eh because that's been one of those things that's never happened uh mother (laughs) three is it exists in Japan, and yeah. it has been fan-translated, but never officially, to my knowledge. Yeah, sorry, yeah, I should probably qualify what I meant by that. Uh, so Mario Kart 8 is getting a huge DLC package. I think it's like 54 courses. Oof, I didn't know it's that. A bunch, a bunch of them are just remasters of older courses, which, but I mean still updated and everything. So, you know, I was like, oh, uh, you know, it's remastered, but I mean, that's still a lot of work. So and the price tag I think was twenty four dollars, which is a bit high. But when you consider how many courses it's adding, I I guess that's fair enough. I I don't begrudge them too much on that. Yeah. People are more salty that instead of Mario Kart Nine, we're getting more Mario Kart Eight. Which eh. if you're getting new tracks, is that really any different than a new game? It's like Mario Party innovates a bit, but not a lot. But does Mario Kart innovate a lot other than graphic updates? Oh, a bit. Uh, they've added stuff like coins on tracks. You know, they added the gliders. They added um, the auto drive. Well, they yes. added the, the rotation. Like, there's there's little stuff. The basic racing, like what the items do, that's pretty much never changed. Um, so we got the Portal games are coming to Switch finally. Nice fresh take there. Uh, yeah. Triangle Strategy got more stuff announced as it's coming out next month, though. So it was basically like a new demo. Uh, this one was really interesting. A classic JRPG, Live Alive, uh, which never came out in North America, is getting an HD remaster. That'll See, become, those so it'll come those to... are some things I saw on that list that you shared. I was like, okay. Let uh, me explain Live Alive to you. Because it's one of those kind of like, because the guy who made Live Alive would go on to make like Chrono Trigger, Parasite Eve. I think he went from Live Alive to do Final Fantasy IV right after or right before, whatever order that was. Okay. Like this is this is the other, other game that I like. Yes, and you can really see the connection because it's a game that has a bunch of different storylines set in different time periods. That even has diff- slightly different gameplay mechanics. Like, some are more stealth-oriented, for example. Um, some have, like, random encounters that are invisible. Other ones have, ra- you know, like a classic Final Fantasy random encounter. Mm-hmm. Other ones have enemies you can just flat-out avoid fighting. Much like the stealth mechanic type thing. Yeah. 
so you get the kind of um you get to kind of get a proto chrono trigger away because you also have like a caveman character in the caveman storyline you get like ninja characters you get all this other stuff uh they think there's Ch- ancient china martial arts there's modern martial arts saga stuff Sounds like terranigma that's where you're going with that interesting um well, just the multiple different characters I actually think I've played... No, Terra Enigma only had one character. Am I thinking the wrong thing, then? Are you thinking of Romancing Saga? No. Terra Enigma, you only play as Ark. What am I thinking of, then? What are you thinking of? I'll get back to it. But I was gonna... I was gonna also say, like, yeah, because, like, a major recurring antagonist is somebody who's somehow named... A Dio, which I always think is funny because as a JoJo fan, this game came out in 1993, and the story arc that kind of made Dio from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, the meme lord that he is today, came out from 89 to 92. So I'm like, this game was probably partially inspired by JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. That's my theory, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah. But, you know, it's a very neat kind of different early RPG, so I'm interested to see what it's going to be like with the new remaster and everything. Because they're giving it the Octopath Traveler treatment. Uh, the Kelowna games. That, by the way, Octopath. Which one? Oh, Octopath is quite good. I like it. Uh, and this isn't the reason I haven't finished it. I just honestly haven't gotten around to it. It does weird me out that everybody, like the player, like the player characters and the enemies, are all the same sprites until you find a boss. And then they're just large and grotesque. Yeah. And it's like it's like meeting a seventeen foot tall person, but everybody just thinks this is normal. Yeah, this it's, is fine. It's almost attack on Titan. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the uh the fa- the fantasy reverie series Clo Clonoa. Not to be confused with Kelona. Uh that's coming to the Switch. Uh Kirby in the Forgotten Land showed off a thing called mouthful mode where he eats a car okay. it's pretty amazing uh the other bit of news i was probably most excited about front mission yes query nix's jr uh, tactical rpg where you control mechs it's a tile-based tactical rpg where you have mechs and it's in the not too distant future hmm. and they're remaking it because like the original uh i don't the original didn't come out in North America until I think the PlayStation 1 era. It was um, originally on the Super Nintendo. And then they did a remake or a remaster or whatever for um, the PlayStation. So they're actually going to do a full, beautiful-looking uh, remake. And it's going to be out on the... Which is great, because <laughs> the last game in the Front Mission series was Left Alive. Considered one of the worst games of, I think, that was 2020 when it came out. Because it was just like an abysmal stealth game. <laughs> yeah. Where you basically never got to control. Like, if you've. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm really glad that they're like, okay, we gotta make up for that bullshit. Because the other Front Mission games were really good. Uh, Splatoon 3, yeah, they showed off more about that. Advanced Wars 1 and 2, the remake. Uh, the reboot camp, I think they're remakes. Yeah, they're remakes. Uh, yeah, we could saw more of that. Uh,. Metroid Dread got a free update. What's the update? New difficulties. I don't think that adds enough that I would want to revisit. Not that I actually played. 
uh, if you watch our less plays, uh, Jesse played. I just sat back and enjoyed, but loved that game. Mm. Yeah, no, no, it's great. I've been, I'm actually re going through it right now on my Switch hmm. when I'm not playing retro RPGs because I've been hmm. doing that a lot lately. But that was, yeah, that was the Nintendo Direct. Nothing about Breath of the Wild 2, which had some people salty. Uh, not nothing. They gave a release date, apparently, with no actual concrete information. So I'll take that with a grain of salt, please and thank you. <laughs> well, yeah, it's been said for a while. That was a previous Direct where they said it was going to come out in 2022, but they still don't have a release date. So people are like, wait, what's going on? Uh, yeah, so I guess we'll see what happens. Uh... Don't know if there's much else to add there. Do you want to talk yeah. about which one do you want to talk about next? You got two more on here. Well, I wanted to talk about the Rocket War. Um, what happened with the Rocket War? Well, I just learned about the Rocket War. Uh, so, I was watching a documentary. Uh, I just randomly found on YouTube, and I would actually really like to recommend it. It's called Passfire. I've actually found out there's, like, a sequel documentary and a series uh, that I haven't looked into. But this is basically just exploring fireworks around the world. Like, different traditions, different customs, different types of fireworks, different methods of making them. And really interesting. Then, just out of nowhere, this documentary hits me with the fact that there is an island... In Greece, where every Easter, they have a rocket war. And two different churches, each of them up on a hill, but facing each other with a town in between, have just decided <laughs> every Easter they're going to have a rocket war. And this is in the midst of talking about, like, different safety things and, uh, like, different precautions that are taken... Uh, and then it's just like, yeah, we just let off a bunch of rockets and just shoot them at the other church. And it's a contest about uh, who can hit the bell tower or the bell specifically of the other church. But it's just like these long trays of rockets and they're just like getting a torch and just running across the tray. And it's just like, <laughs> like they're just shooting off hundreds of rockets back and forth across this city everybody like pretty much boards up and shuts down because the city is in lockdown for this night because of this tradition all the storefronts with big uh glass windows they put tape across the windows to structurally hold them or they'll fucking shatter and this rocket war just happens once a year and I'm just like, this blew my mind as I'm watching this documentary. Uh, we're, we're worried about safety and, like, how many feet away from firework you have to be. And, like, now nah, we're just, like, launching them at each other. Uh, then I read more into it. Uh, these two churches have this, quote-unquote, rivalry. Have this rocket war. Don't discuss the result of the war until the next day where thankfully everybody participates in cleanup because you've just got like you know fireworks go off there's some litter and you've just let off like 300 fireworks each there's a lot of mess 
And so as everyone's cleaning up, these two churches will try to discuss who won. And <laughs> as is tradition, and I love that this is actually officially part of the tradition, uh, these two churches will disagree and will each think that they won, and they'll argue about who was actually the winner, and then decide that they're just going to have to settle this next year. And now they have a reason to have a rivalry rocket war next Easter, and it's part of the tradition to have that argument and decide you have to settle it next year. And I'm like, why the fuck don't I live in Greece? I want to have a rocket war. That sounds amazing. <laughs> and apparently I just conferred with my brothers. Um, we did like Terranigma growing up. But I'm the one that got mixed up. Uh, it was... Uh, is it Live Alive or Live Alive? Uh, that was the game I was thinking of. And... I I described it with five storylines. Uh, my brother Jeff said there were actually seven, but you had to unlock two of them. But that's the game I was thinking of when I said Terranigma. I have just literally all these years later confused those two because we probably discovered them at the same time. Uh, but I have played that. I just thought it was called a different thing. <laughs> You're muted, Peter. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Rocket Wars. <laughs> Wild. But also, check out, it. it is just on YouTube, we found it randomly. Very entertaining and educational. Uh, check out the documentary Pacifier. I am interested and I am going to check out the other ones, but I can't vouch for any of the other ones in the Pacifier series. But mm -hmm. the original Pacifier, uh, do check it out, it's entertaining. Um, Peter. Yes. Do you want to finish on yours? Because I can do two in a row because the other one's short. Let, let, yeah, let's do the other one real quick. Okay. Book of Boba Fett. I like it. That's not what that show is. It's not what that show is. That's why in the topic list, I called yeah. it Book of Bo DeLorean. It's, it's just... still not accurate. It's Tales of Mos Espa. Yeah, that too. Uh,. Finished it, liked it. I actually liked all the parts with Boba Fett with the Tusken Raiders. Boba Fett as a ganglord, not loving it. And I know it was the impetus of the basically the finale of that series, which, spoilers, it's a war for, like, against the syndicate for rulership of Mos Espa. But all, all the things with Boba Fett were the least interesting part of that miniseries. Slightly disagree. I, I absolutely understand where you're coming from, and I mostly agree with you. I think the bits where he's younger... Yeah. And the bits with the Tusken Raiders, those yeah. were great. Okay. You, mentioned, love... you mentioned the latter. I love uh, yes, but Did, was yes. Yeah. Do you know? Because there were Daniel Logan scenes, and it expanded on stuff. Like, were these uh, deleted scenes, like unused footage of Daniel Logan, or was this more of their uh, 
fake Luke Skywalker CG wizardry. Like, we got more of Daniel Logan Boba Fett. And I don't... I'm sure they can do it whichever way, whether it's archive footage or CG. But it's cool to see young Boba Fett in scenes we haven't seen him in yet. Yeah, it was a combination of archive footage and um, yeah, this, the, the Luke Skywalker stuff. Yeah. Um, and then I loved the expansion of the Tusken Raiders and actually making them people with a culture instead of monsters uh, where you want to slaughter all of them. Even the women and the children. Whoa, calm down there, Anakin. <laughs> I mentioned I hate sand. Yeah, and it's I. I am very much of the of the mindset. I'm tired of Tatooine. A little bit. Yeah. Right? Uh, because especially because like I've been seeing what we can like what they because they released some of that test footage for uh, Star Wars Underworld. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And like I was like, ah oh, man, it'd be nice to get off this planet. <laughs> and like I didn't, some of the stuff just felt really weird. Like the, of course we had the the, the swoop gang, they felt really kind of stupid. The cyborg stuff was kind of weird. Uh, but apparently one thing fans, Star Wars fans, are apparently really salty about is the unnecessary spins when people pull out their guns. It's a western which I'm just like, at its core. You need yeah. this. I know. I, I'm like, calm down. They're making they're making a space western. I <laughs> and then, and then there's people debating whether spins are practical or not in gunfights, and I'm like, oh my effing god. That's you. You know what? If you want to talk about if spins are practical or not during a period western where you're dealing with revolvers, sure, we can have that talk. If you're talking about the practicality of spins with space lasers, fuck off. None of it matters. It's all pretend. It's all nonsense. We love it anyway, but don't try to apply real-life physics and ideologies to space lasers. It's dumb. Oh, and uh, before we move on, I just want to give a shout-out to Ming-Na for playing uh, Fennec Shand. She's yeah. great. She was like, I would rather the show be about her. I, I honestly think she needs a spinoff. She's like growing into one of my favorite characters. I also love that like this actress is sitting nerd dumb on fire. And how old is she now? She's got to be well in her fifties. Uh, I yeah, she's, she's fifty eight like, years old. Yeah, and you she know how rare looks, it is for an, she looks like forty. Yeah, you know how rare it is for an actress like over forty to be that popular. We are getting we are getting. I, I'm, we are getting the old actress revolution. I nearly said something completely different. I'm like, eh, let's maybe reword that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also, she was Mulan. Yep. Huge. Yep. She was, I can't remember the character because I never liked the show, but she was Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Just because she was I Chun-Li. Uh, yeah, Chun-Li. That's another one. Uh, that movie wasn't <laughs> great, but notable hey now uh, i debate you on that it was fantastic okay. as long as you accept that they made it as a comedy yes and if you want a serious street fighter was... film go somewhere else <laughs> why would you ever want a serious street fighter movie 
again, People see, my, see my comments about uh, laser guns and practicality. But anyway, uh, Shunli, Mulan, whatever her name is in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, Melinda dis- May. Despite the fact that I didn't care for that show, I can't pretend it wasn't big. Mm. And then and she suddenly, was good on it. And now Fennec Shand, like the breakout star, not breakout as in she wasn't famous, but like probably the favorite character of a lot of people in Mandalorian, but then especially in Book of Boba Fett, we really see a lot more of her. Mm-hmm. We've spoiled a fair bit, but big spoiler, this is going to be short, but if you haven't seen the episode 7 uh, miniseries finale, halfway through, Boba Fett was suddenly like, wait, I have an idea, I'll be right back. And Jamie was arguing with me, and I'm happy that I turned out to be right. I was like, wait, Chekhov's gun. In one and only one episode, we met a ranker. If we met a ranker, a ranker is relevant. And she was like, no, I think that was just building up for a later thing. I was like, nope, he's going to get the ranker. And he went and got the ranker, and I kind of love that a lot. <laughs> I'm sad we got no more Danny Trejo, though. Mm. Yeah, we need more of the traveling Trejo. Have Have you ever watched anything with Danny Trejo that you've disliked Danny Trejo in? He's pretty amazing. I didn't really have to think about that, and I don't care to. I mean... Spy Kids, Breaking Bad, obviously, um, Machete, uh, Tarantino yep. World in general. Just yep. recently rewatched Dust Till Dawn. Fuck, mm. I love that movie. Great movie. I it- actually found out that my coworker, this is the gay guy that I make fun of, <laughs> for record, my coworker has not seen Dust Till Dawn and is unfamiliar doesn't know any story details obviously i told him he needs to watch it and not look up any spoilers and just watch it blind because oh yeah if you by any chance are listening to this and you haven't seen it or heard of it i don't want to spoil it just watch it blind i recommend it it's a trip the first time i saw it i watched it blind uh, no spoilers, but this movie does about 70% of one thing, and the suddenly takes a hard left into a ditch, and suddenly you're driving through the forest now, and you're like, wait, what the fuck happened to this movie? And it does that really well. <laughs> That's fair. So, uh... we got just about enough time for just one more thing. <laughs> uh, something you teased... Uh, last oh, yeah. week. So, Wrestle Talk, everybody. I can't actually call it that, though, because that's the name of a YouTube channel. Yeah, we anyway. need like a little theme or a jingle for this, because I want this bit to keep continuing. Wrestling with the Pete. Wrestling with the Pete. <laughs> that's the best I got. Yep, and since it's my audio that's going to be the episode, since you're not recording your own... 
Uh, for those of you only hearing the audio and not seeing the video, uh, Peter did a little clap after every wrestling with the Pete. It didn't get picked up. There's no clap there. So, well. <laughs> so that's neat. Hang on, hang on. Let me say it again. Wrestling with the Pete. Clap, clap. Wrestling with the Pete. Clap, clap. Yeah. There you go. I don't like that any better. All right. Well, let, let's farm it out to somebody else and just see what they say. Maybe uh, somebody who calls in will have a suggestion. Chris, what's that phone number? 1-833-222-1091. You know what it isn't, Peter? Cabwazzle? That's the one. But that's also a lie. It's not. All right. Cabwazzle so doesn't gonna... fit. <laughs> so we're going to talk about wrestling tournaments. Tournaments are usually one of my favorite things, because like, like any anime fan, any shonen fan will tell you, tournament arcs, when done well, can be awesome. Mm -hmm. And that's very true in wrestling as well, because when they build a good tournament, they get super engaging. And I want to talk about one of my, probably one of the easiest tournaments to talk about to a North American audience, because it involves a lot of pop culture um, heavy, like a lot of people who penetrate a pop culture. Yeah. Uh, like, The Rock is involved and more. We'll get into this. Is this The and Rock it, and Stone Cold? Yep. This oh, is 1998. that's the one I actually paid attention to for a brief period in my life. Yeah. We're going to talk about them, because this is the 1998 Survivor Series. Mm -hmm. And I want to I preface this with something very important, because I've talked about Vince Russo before. He was a writer for WWF, and then he later went to WCW and wrote some god-awful shit. <laughs> Like, he came up in the Goldberg Fears Okopogo episode we talked about. Yeah, that was weird. Yeah, shit like that. I think uh, the he Robocop did stuff like one was the weirdest one, honestly. But anyway. He on. had nothing to do with that. He was still working at a video store or something when that happened. Hmm. Um, but so what we're going to talk about is probably one of his best written tournaments. This is, like, also a perfect explanation for how 90s wrestling was, like, garbage wrestling, but also really enjoyable garbage wrestling. Because almost none of these matches are really, like, technical achievements, but they're so goddamn engaging from a storytelling perspective, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Which is, some, which is very important to remember, because, like, the modern product, they really like to try to emphasize good matches, and that is good, but if you don't have a good storytelling to go with it, it sometimes doesn't matter. Yeah. So, what happened is, to set the basic backstory, 1998, Stone Cold Steve Austin wins the WWF title at WrestleMania. Like, would, I be, the... would I be accurate in describing the persona of Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, beer drunk redneck? Yep. Yeah. The beer, dr the beer drunk everyman, who don't give yeah. no shit. Because he has, he had, he proceeded to have one of the most important feuds in wrestling history. Because he would feud with Vince McMahon, he would feud with his boss. Mm -hmm. The storyline was him fighting his boss, which Quite 1998 because it's a wrestling yeah. franchise. Yeah, and Vince McMahon <laughs> is the legitimate owner of the company. He but still Vince, is. Vince didn't really get into the ring that often, did he? I no, think he, this is... I think he did more with Steve than he did through a lot of his career as manager. Oh, yeah. Well, because he, he didn't really become a character until an, uh, an incident that requires its own episode in 97. That's when he kind of became an on-screen character. 
and this led to the WrestleMania uh, in uh, which one was that? I think that was WrestleMania. That would have been WrestleMania 14. Shawn Michaels and Stone Cold. Uh, where, where Stone Cold defeated Shawn Michaels to become champion. And now Vince McMahon was outraged that Stone Cold was champion. So for months and months, he was trying to get Stone Cold to lose the title. Because Stone Cold wouldn't, you know, kiss his ass. Mm-hmm. And eventually what happened was The Undertaker and Kane simultaneously pinned Austin in a triple threat match. But because two people can't be co-champion, they're like, no, 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 that doesn't work. Okay, Kane, Undertaker, you're going to fight at the next pay-per-view. Stone Cold, you can't be involved because you got pinned. Is this still the 98 one, or are you... This is 1998. Yeah, this is a storyline that's been going through 1998. Okay, sorry, I I hoped you weren't switching to the Vince McMahon character reveal because I put that on the topic list for next week. Okay, yeah, we can do that, yeah. So... This happens. Uh, Kane and Undertaker have their match, but Stone Cold is the special guest referee due to shenanigans. <laughs> Easiest way to explain that. Yep. Uh, and Stone Cold ends up throwing the match out, you know, so nobody wins. <laughs> so Vince is can. just like, and Vince is just like, God damn it, Stone Cold, stop fucking with my company. Yeah, the owner All of right. the company can't do anything about that. It's literally out of his hands, beyond his and this control. Is... Cause and this is in the midst of their war. Just said something. Yeah, <laughs> and they're they're in the midst of their war with WCW, and they don't have a champion for two months. How crazy is that? Mm-hmm. Like this is ballsy TV. So Vince, air quotes, fires Stone Cold, but Shane McMahon, Vince's son, mm-hmm. is like, you know what? I believe in Stone Cold. I hire him back. Vince is like, God damn it! You hired him back, and I can't undo it. But you know what I can do, Shane? Make you a referee. So Shane gets demoted to referee. And now Stone Cold is a part of a, I believe it's a 14-man tournament? Yes. Because I, what happens, I it's love, supposed to be a... Th- sorry. I love the concept of, like, the kayfabe rules affecting the business. Like, a business owner. Oh, man. I really hate this, but he said and did this thing, and now my hands are tied, and I can't possibly just say, uh, yeah, no, that's bullshit, and this didn't happen. Uh, yeah, I know, get right? the fuck out, you're fired. <laughs> like, it's I all bullshit in the end. this is. Go on, sorry. I know, it's great, though, right? It's all bullshit in the end, but it's kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, so, there's a 14-man tournament, uh, like, there's... The the first round is only five matches, not the... Or, sorry, one, two, three... Wait, yeah, it's one, two, three, four, five, six. Six matches instead of the usual... Um, It would be eight, because they had uh, two guys just automatically go to the quarterfinals. We'll get to that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go through the, the matches one at a time. So this all took place over one night on Survivor Series 1998. So the first, very first match, we have Mankind... Sorry, uh... One night, how much time was spent on it? Like, screen time. They delivered product. Uh, uh Probably about three hours. Okay. Yeah. Commercial free, because it's a pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. So the first match sees Mankind, uh, Mick Foley. Mm-hmm. He has, in the storyline leading up to this, he's become McMahon's chosen champion, because he's annoyed with The Undertaker and Kane. And Mick Foley's been like, so he's taken Mankind, kind of cleaned him up, given him a suit, given him a haircut, 
you know, basically made him is like, you're my new champion. I respect oh, you. Oh, so he's not I wearing am... the mask anymore? No, he's still wearing the mask. Okay, so he's but he wear, cleaned up. But he wears a but... suit. Okay, weird. Yeah, it's it's a little odd. And Mick and Foley, in... by the way, one of the legends of wrestling. Like, is he still oh. coaching and managing? Or uh, I think he mostly just does random t- stuff on tour these days. But I don't think he's officially hired by anyone. In the industry. Oh yeah, look, he if he gives you advice, you listen to him. Oh yeah. <laughs> anyway, so sorry, go on. The the big storyline is like he comes out and he's going to face a mystery opponent in the first round of the tournament. And they build up this guy being a big deal, somebody who had a record in the WWF before he went to WCW, but now he's back in the WWF. And he builds it up like it's going to be somebody important. It's some guy named Dwayne Gill. (laughs) And if you're wondering who is Dwayne Gill, exactly. (laughs) Like that's like, you know, he he's. He came out, and he's just like, hell, shucks, I'm just happy to be here. Mankind beats him in, like, two minutes. Yeah. Yeah. But what's funny is um, he ended up joining a group called the Job Squad, uh, which are which were a bunch of, like, low-class loser guys who were teaming up to try to actually become, like, contenders. Mm-hmm. So this loser ended up becoming Gilberg, a spoof of the professional wrestler Goldberg. Mm-hmm. So this guy who kind of came back as a joke ended up becoming a uh, recurring spoof character as a result. So interesting little storyline development from that. Uh, the next match saw Al Snow. Uh, he's a little more obscure. He was the guy who came out with that mannequin head called Head. I don't know if you remember Al Snow at all. You're you're looking pretty tired, and I'm not sure if you know, no no familiarity. I, I do not know. Sorry, okay, I that's my fine. Head. I don't think it got caught. No, it didn't. You were too busy yawning. Yeah. You're, you're slowly becoming tired, Muppet. You're not all the way there yet, though. There it is. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, he took on Jeff Jarrett. And this ended up uh, Al Snow won. So he would go on to face Mankind. Now, what's important is Al Snow stole Mankind's sock, Mr. Socko, with which he would use his signature finishing move. I forgot move. about the sock. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so there's a reason Al Snow won this match. Also, weird... Jeff Jarrett. A weird bit. It's like he's yeah. he's got the one like the scruffy like he's still got remnants of Cactus Jack, but also he's mankind and he's got the weird mask. Also, here's a sock. It's like okay, yeah. p- pick a gimmick. Well, Mister Socko, the point was because one of his finishing moves was the mandible claw, where you shove your hand in someone's mouth. Oh, now he does that with Mister Socko on, so not only is it painful on your jaw but you're also smelling his horrible sock, which he frequently kept in his pants. So it smelled like sweat and piss, probably. (sighs) Neat. (laughs) Not shit, because it was always in the front of his pants. Anyway, there's probably a cum joke in there, too, but moving on. So he beat Jeff Jarrett, and this led to a storyline where Jeff Jarrett, uh, now furious that he lost this match because his storyline, I think wife, if not girlfriend, Deborah, had helped was supposed to help him cheat to win, and she instead accidentally helped him lose. Uh, this led to a rather <laughs> awkward... He was a villain. I want to emphasize he was a heel. Uh, it was heavily implied he would... He basically became a giant misogynist. Let me just put it that way. Charming. But, yeah, but he was a heel, and it a ended up leading to a feud... A thing, but you can't actually be all that bad. You yeah. still have to be 
like a Saturday morning cartoon villain uh, where you're <laughs> like stealing some pies, not beating women or <laughs> like. Oh, no, it, it was it was heavy. Like one of the big things is he had a feud with China later on. Right, the female wrestler China. Yeah. So it was an intergender feud, and of course y. she she did beat him in the end. So the payoff was good, but it's like yikes a lot, especially but by modern when, even but even in when you at the have contemporary to standards. Establish yourself as the heel paired with a female face. Unfortunately, the go to is just be misogynistic asshole. Mm-hmm. And it would be great if you could play the heel to a female face and have the fact that she's a woman never actually come up. But that doesn't They had to lean happen. into it because she was the first woman to really compete with men in the WWF. So she this was their attempt. Definitely outweighs me. <laughs> she's <Yep>. built. <laughs> R.I.P. Is she dead? Uh, oh, yeah. She's been dead for years. Oh, I didn't even know that. Wow, I'm I'm out of touch. Yes. Okay. Uh, she died. The, she died the same year as Prince. Oh wow. Uh, yeah, she while. was. She was in that parade of of celebrity deaths because I think Bowie was in there too. Yeah, it might I be different those, years. Those other people drowned her out. Yeah. Huh. Anyway, anyway, go on because we're almost at time, but I want to hear the end of this. I'm, I'm trying to hurry. Yeah. <laughs> so the third match saw Stone Cold Steve Austin take on Mr. McMahon's chosen enforcer, the Big Boss Man, <laughs> who is essentially like he started out as a prison guard kind of character, and now he was like wearing like riot gear. You know, he was like a SWAT guy. He used a nightstick a lot still. Uh, so. He fought the big boss man, and eventually the boss man just started beating the shit out of him with a nightstick, and the referee's like, well, you're cheating, so disqualified. So Steve Steve Austin wins, but the big boss man beats the shit out of him. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. Austin's weaker going into the next round. Excellent. Right? My plan is coming to fruition. Uh, then Steven Regal and X-Pac have a match uh, that goes to a double countout. Storyline-wise, the big thing here is X-Pac was European champion, and by having a double countout, it gave Austin a bye in the second round, which wasn't supposed to happen. So X-Pac ended up really pissing off Vince McMahon with this, which would lead to a feud later on. I'm, I'm trying to emphasize the fact that every single one of these matches ends up telling a story in some way. Yeah. Both and further down the line, right? That's good, because like, obviously the athletic aspect of it is really entertaining, but the stories are what draw me in. Like, me yeah, personally, I... the stories are what I love. Honestly, if you just... It's like, okay, all this dialogue, and now they start fighting, let's just skip that part. Okay, now we're to the next part where they're talking. I would yeah. still probably find it more entertaining than cutting all the dialogue and plot elements and just watching the fighting. That does nothing for me. Mm-hmm. I want, yeah, and I wanted to emphasize, like, one of the reasons I like this tournament so much is so much storyline came out of it going into WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Like, the only reason Steven Regal didn't matter of anything is because, unfortunately, the wrestler uh, William Regal, as he's also known, had a uh, drug uh, problem at the time, so he ended up getting temporarily fired soon after, so they couldn't really do anything with his character. Yeah. Uh, but X-Pac stuff would happen as a result. Uh, the next match saw Ken Shamrock, the Intercontinental Champion, defeat Goldust... And this was important because they would meet again in the future for the Intercontinental Championship. 
So nice little bit of storyline there. And then The Rock was supposed to take on Triple H, but Triple H was injured. So Vince McMahon announces a last-minute replacement, the Big Boss Man, coming out for another shot in the tournament. Yeah. Now, in part because this, in part, sorry. At this point, where is because this is like this is where The Rock really started to <laughs> rise to prominence, right? Yeah. Where me, was me, he me. in his career at this point? Like, what had he done previously? Because he started out as a face, right? Yeah. Let me. He he had two turns. So he started as a face, as a happy-go-lucky. He leaned into Samoan Samoan heritage, became Intercontinental Champion about two years prior, I believe. Because just uh, briefly, his dad was a face character, right? His dad was Rocky Johnson, and his grandfather was Chief Maivia. Of so his his you know his mother's side was Samoan, his father's side is black, mm-hmm. as we see in the TV series Young Rock. Yeah, and so like they kind of leaned into the fact that he was a third generation wrestler, and so he was happy and loved his loved his heritage, and that was kind of what made him a good guy. And he's like, I love my family, therefore I'm a good guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then they had him join the Nation of Domination, which was a very controversial heel take on Nation of Islam. Oof. <laughs> Bit of a yikes. Yeah. But then he became a good guy again, and it had just come off a series of matches with Ken Shamrock for the Intercontinental Championship, which Shamrock ultimately won. Yeah. So, and in this case, he was also starting to be a thorn in the side for Vince McMahon, which is why McMahon's like, all right, I want to punish The Rock. Boss man, get back in there, even though you already got eliminated from the tournament. Yeah. <laughs> so, Boss man comes out, is going to beat up The Rock, but The Rock ends up rolling him up in three seconds. Nice try, Vince. <laughs> yep. So that goes. So Vince is like, ah, we got to beat The Rock, and we got to beat Stone Cold. So we get to the quarterfinal match between the Undertaker and Kane, and what ends up happening is Paul Bearer, uh, the storyline father of Kane and the Undertaker, because they're fake brothers. Turns on Kane. They're still riding on that storyline? They hadn't retconned it? Oh, no, no. Well, at the time in 98, no, they hadn't retconned it yet. Oof. Like, they had just revealed in storyline that Undertaker started the fire that burned Kane's face, even though Kane's face would turn out not to be burned years later. (laughs) The pallbearer being Undertaker's father when he had been his manager for so many years and subordinate. Yeah. Always so weird. They eventually retconned that as, like, no, he was just lying. Yeah. Uh, Oh, no. I mean, you're telling me he's not a real undead wizard? This is uh, still during doubling down on that plotline. Okay. Yep. So that goes on, uh, but The Undertaker ultimately wins. And then we get to the next match where Mankind takes on El Snow. The big payoff there being, of course, Mankind gets Mr. Socko back and uses that to win the match. (laughs) You know, um, where are we? Okay, then The Rock took on Ken Shamrock. Like I said before, they were old foes. So this was a nice revisit of the rivalry. And in the match, McMahon tries to cheat. So he sends out the boss man again. But this time it's like, okay, boss man, somebody else distracts the referee. Boss man pulls out his nightstick, tries to throw it to Ken Shamrock. The Rock's like, ooh, a nightstick. Catches it midair. Very impressive catch. Clonks Shamrock with it, uses it to win in advance. Was this strictly filmed or live? 
this was live. That's pretty impressive. Oh, there's you so many things gotta, that could have gone wrong. You gotta do that catch in one take. That's... It was a one-handed catch too. I always like. I was like specifically. Um, this was filmed, but if people can be believed, in Fight Club, uh, when they're watching the Project Mayhem stuff on the TV, uh, the one-handed blind beer catch at a beer can flying at your head at high speed was first take. Yeah. And that's pretty impressive. Anyway, go oh, on. Yeah. So we're at the semifinals now. We got Mankind taking on Stone Cold Steve Austin because, of course, because X-Pac and Regal went to a no countout or a double double countout, he got a bye. So Austin's still beat up, but he's at least not super beat up. And Mankind's, of course, the chosen one. Yes. So it goes for a bit. It looks like Stone Cold is still going to get the better of Mankind. Uh, so at this point, there's interference and the referee gets injured. So they need to call <laughs> it a course. new referee. What do we so, do? disqualify so, the people involved because you're not allowed to hurt the referees? Nah. Well, they do it in a way where it's accidental. No, so they I can't know. Just DQ I, I'm being facetious. I it's love, one of those things. I love the kayfabe narrative. Yeah. So, so they need a new referee. <laughs> yes. So out comes Shane McMahon, who, as I mentioned earlier, had helped Austin and was now a lowly referee as a result. Yes, because he got demoted. Yes. So he comes out... Stone Cold hits the Stone Cold Stunner, pins Mankind. One, two, Shane flips off Stone Cold. It was a double cross the whole time. <laughs> oh no, how could this happen? Yeah, and then one of the greatest fuck-ups that they still managed to save happens, because Big Boss Man missed his cue. <laughs> Notice I've said Big Boss Man a lot. He was supposed to come out again. But he missed his cue because he was also going to be queued up for something else. <laughs> yeah. So he missed his cue, and they're like, Shane's sitting there flipping off Stone Cold, and Bossman was supposed to club him in the back of the head. <laughs> but that didn't happen. So thinking quickly, they had another one of McMahon Stooges uh, grab a chair and just hit Stone Cold instead. It didn't look as good as the Kane shot probably would have, or the Billy Club shot would have looked, yeah. but it worked. <laughs> the big thing, then Mankind pins him and wins. Because like, the, Stone Cold the was thing betrayed. I've said several times, and I'll keep saying, the beauty of this is, yes, these guys are amazing athletes and performers. Like, they do physical feats I couldn't even dream of. But they are all professional improv actors. And if something doesn't work... They just make the storyline work. Like, the story is the most important thing, and they're all really skilled, and they just figure it out and keep the narrative going. That's the number one thing is the story, not the wrestling. <laughs> it's very impressive. Absolutely. So, now we have the other semifinal, The Rock and The Undertaker. Okay. Classic matchup. They're going. Undertaker's starting to kick Rock's ass. Mm -hmm. Not good. What happens then? Kane comes out. He's pissed he got screwed over his last match. So what does he do? If you think he'd attack the Undertaker, no. That would be what a stupid person does. A smart person attacks the Rock, so the Undertaker gets disqualified. Wait, how does that work? 
if you attack someone, uh, the person you're attacking wins by disqualification because you're helping the other side. So can't oh. so can't attack the Rock, so the Undertaker would get disqualified. <laughs> okay, because he wanted to face the Rock because he figures he's not as good. Well, no, no. The point, what he did is he got the Undertaker disqualified as revenge for him cheating in their last match. Oh, okay. So this wasn't about yeah. winning. This was about making the Undertaker lose. Fucking the other guy over. Okay. Yeah. And so now Undertaker Seems got like an Undertaker. easily exploitable rule. They should probably oh, yeah. have some caveats to that. Nah, oh, yeah. never mind. They've used that once in a while. Uh, CM <laughs> Punk recently used that on an episode of AEW Dynamite. He, because he a guy he hated was having a match with someone else, and he ran. CM Punk just ran in immediately and, and uh, attacked the other guy, so that uh, the guy he actually hated got disqualified. He's like, "Oh, it looks like you're zero, zero and one this year in uh, the rankings. Uh, what a loser!" You know, he just kind of mind games. Yep. Good stuff. So the final is Mankind versus The Rock for the WWF Championship. I Can I... And we're running long. I'm okay with this. Mm-hmm. It's almost over. A, a real-life comparison to that. Mm-hmm. What if you had a dude willing to take the fall? This is real life. So a, a, I think think this fits a real life equivalent you're speeding cop pulls you over soon as he pulls you over the passenger jumps out of the car tackles and starts beating down the cop or at least trying to because he won't succeed but now there's a fight and you just drive off do you think you got away because obviously all the heat is on your buddy willing to take the fall because now he's assaulting an officer. Do you think you can just skate away from the minor crime of speeding that you committed because someone else then committed a worse crime? Ooh. I wonder how that would work. Sorry, that was a weird, weird tangent. But That's fine. That's where I tried to find a, a real-life example of that strategy fair so we've got our final yes mankind the chosen champion of vince mcmahon taking on the rock the upstart who's defied the odds and made it through several opponents right so at this he's point beat. the rock is still face not heel right Mm-hmm. okay yeah he'd been face heel he's face again he's been face again for a little while yeah so, they face off. They have a pretty long match. It is the final of the tournament, the last match of the night. You gotta go a little long. And as it's going on, <clears throat> Stone Cold comes in to try to interfere. Try to interfere. And Vince McMahon gets up out of his wheelchair. Shock! He wasn't injured the entire time. Sorry, I forgot <laughs> to mention that plot point. I completely forgot about that plot point. Vince McMahon was also in a wheelchair. That also <laughs> pays off here. <laughs> Again, a lot going on here. Yes. So Austin gets chased away, uh, and as that's going on, Mankind has it set up. He's gonna gonna start uh, choking out Rock. All of a sudden, Rock gets Mankind and a sharpshooter, and Vince McMahon has them call for the bell, even though the Rock never, or even though Mankind never tapped out. For you see, Chris, 
That's the Rock was actually regulation. What? That's against regulation. No, because Vince McMahon actually chose The Rock to be his real champion. He had been telling everyone mankind was his champion as a ruse. Ah. And if you think but back you to can't the previous call matches, for the bell if he hasn't tapped out, can you? No, but he says he did. Ah. You see, he lied. You don't say. Yes. So as a result, like, the boss man... The Rock rolling up the boss man in seconds. The Rock getting the nightstick from the boss man to take out Shamrock. Kane Kane getting the Undertaker disqualified. All of this was planned. Mm -hmm. So the Rock would make it to the finals. It just didn't seem like it at the time. So the Rock was his ringer. Yes, the Rock was the ringer. Okay, this is the heel turn then, because as soon as you side this with the... This is the heelest of heel turns, because as the soon peak, as you side with the boss man, fucking heel, dude. Oh yeah, he sides with Vince against Stone Cold. But everyone that you thought was in Stone Cold's corner, The Rock, Shane McMahon, you know, so and so on, all were against him, all working together to fuck over Austin so he wouldn't get the title. This is brilliant narrative. This is the thing, right? And mankind it, who thought he it's was so he good, was, <laughs> and mankind who thought he was like, oh, I found a place I belong after being a freak. He's like, no, you are a freak. Get yeah. out of here. Ah. So we so we had a very sympathetic mankind, which would pay off because all of the storyline, like them being pissed at X Pac, uh, Shane McMahon would actually take the European Championship from X Pac in a match. They would face off again at WrestleMania <laughs> for it. You uh, keep saying X Pac. And you almost said much. <laughs> yeah. I love it. X-Pac, yes. X-Pac, I don't know. I've anyway, always said X-Pac, I don't know if I'm correct. X-Pac, X-Pac, whatever. Uh, Honestly, yeah. just suck it. Yep. Like I said, Shamrock would be in a, a Intercontinental title match with Goldust and a couple of others. That would all pay off, uh, so on and so forth. A lot of this stuff would all pay off come WrestleMania. Mankind would end up being the special uh, referee for the match between The Rock and uh, Stone Cold at uh, WrestleMania. And this was like the thing that really built up to Mankind being a world champion because he would win the world championship in 1999. This is The Rock's first world championship. Stone Cold would, of course, win the championship back, become the hero of the company again. All this would happen in 1999. I think, and obviously you're the expert from what I know about wrestling and what I've learned from your weekly stories, which I want to keep going until you run out. Mm -hmm. I think if there were going to be a filmed biopic, they, I think one of the first big deep dive into storylines that you did on this podcast, uh, the dungeon of doom yeah, I think the Hulkster in the Dungeon of Doom and the long-storied rivalry uh, between The Rock and Stone Cold, I think mm. those are the two, at least that I'm aware of, most viable storylines that would make great biopics. Oh, yeah. I, oh, my I God. think if we're going to do a WWE or just professional wrestling entertainment which is not the same as professional wrestling but professional mm -hmm. wrestling entertainment uh biopics 
I think your Dungeon of Doom storyline and your Stone Cold and The Rock are probably the mo- two most viable to recreate with younger actors because obviously all of these people even though Dwayne Johnson is a working actor yep. I don't think he can really play the rock anymore I mean he is well, literally no, that's what the, the rock but that's what the he, that's what the kid in young rock is for who's young rock are you not familiar with young rock not at all it, it's 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 um like you know young Sheldon yeah imagine that but it's about The Rock. I hate that as much as I hate Young Sheldon because I hate Big Bang Theory. Mm-hmm. But no, like it's it's about um, yeah, uh, the the rock. It's basically a biopic about the the Rock in sitcom form. I don't think I like that. I think I want biopic, not sitcom. I think any wrestling entertainment has to be dead serious. Even while it's ridiculous, I don't think you can make a comedy out of it. It's all comedic, but you have to play it straight faced, hundred percent. Anyway, uh, we are near the end. Do you have anything else? No, that's everything. Okay, uh, I just have one question for you. Then, mm. Emily or Jacob? Jacob. Outro. Three, two, one. Stick, trash bag, shatterproof glass, tailpipe tread like recent chrome. Front bumper, universal bearing, aerial brake shoe, shock absorber. Fireball. What's the what's the aerial? <laughs>